Good morning. I just want to see if you're paying attention. Good morning. Okay. Where are we going in the next little while? We're going to be in the book of Jonah. If you have a Bible, if you want to open up to Jonah, we'll be in Jonah chapter 2 this morning. And then be at Jonah two more times. And then from there, for the summer, we're going to be going to First uh, Kings, looking at kind of the life, the ministry of Elijah. And so that will be kind of our summer series, so to speak. So this morning, though, we're in Jonah chapter 2. And Jonah, a minor prophet. If you go to, like, the major prophets, you got Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Keep going to the right. you got Obadiah beside him and Micah. Uh, you'll find Jonah. And so we've been in Jonah the past couple of Sundays, past couple of messages here in Jonah, and we saw, of course, Jonah got this calling on his life to arise, in verse 2, go to Nineveh, call out against it. That was his calling. He was a prophet of the Lord. Jonah, here's the calling. Here's the thing you're called to do. Arise and go. And Jonah doesn't arise and go. He flees, and he wants to flee from the presence of the Lord and he runs in the opposite direction. And we've been kind of studying that. And so as he, as he ran away, he found himself on a ship. And God, it says there in verse 4, the Lord, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. There's this mighty storm. And then the sailors who are on the ship, they're crying out to everyone, every god they knew. And they start to find out who Jonah is, who he's fleeing from. And they start calling out to the Lord, the God of the Israelites, Yahweh. And eventually Jonah's like, hey, throw me into the sea. That'll stop the storm. And they do that. And seemingly they confess uh, vows, thanksgivings to the Lord, these sailors. And so we kind of stopped there. Jonah has been thrown into the sea. Uh, and then, but he doesn't just stay swimming in the sea. As we will see here in a moment. Um, so that's kind of where we've been. And where we're going to be going, I want us to see, I will read the text here in a moment, is we want to see in Jonah chapter 2 the power of story, testimony. It's kind of Jonah's song of what happens as he was thrown into the sea, how he was rescued by a great fish that the Lord sent, how the Lord saved him. And it's his kind of song, it's his testimony, it's his story that he tells us, and I hope it will encourage us this morning. Uh, in our own walk. And as we look at Jonah's testimony, his story, I want us to then think kind of briefly at the end, what's our story? What's our testimony? How do we share it? And the only reason we have one, kind of lastly, we're going to think about what's Jesus Christ's testimony. And so that's kind of where we're going to be going here this morning with Jonah chapter 2. If you want to stand with me, we'll read together. We'll start in 1 verse 15, just for the context So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows pass over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. 
Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. May God bless his word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. I titled this message, Salvation Belongs to the Lord. I hope we'll be able to see that as we go through this morning. Again, before... Uh, Going on any further, I'd like to again uh, seek the Lord in prayer. Oh God, I I thank you for the week that has been, the chance to study and to sit in this text, Lord, but I do not go to speak at all, have any confidence in my own study and the things that I've read. I have confidence in you, I have confidence in your spirit, I have confidence that you will speak your word through me now. And God, I pray that you would, not because of anything I've done, but because of your kindness, because of your goodness, because we have gathered as your people, and we want to hear a word from you. We want you to work in our hearts and our lives. Oh Lord, again, as we maybe have the routine of gathering on Sunday mornings, God, may you crush our routine. May we meet with you, the living God. May you change us. May you convict us. May your word penetrate our hearts, as only you can do. So Lord, we're asking that you would. We're asking that you would form Christ in us, Lord. Those who do not know you, give them ears to hear your word. Draw them to yourself. Those who are hurting and broken, may they be ministered to. Oh, Lord, do your work among us. For the glory of your name, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So looking at Jonah, first I just want us to look and think of Jonah's testimony. This is Jonah's story we're looking at. We're going to kind of, what is his testimony Starting there in 117, I've titled this point, This is a Whale of a Tale, with question mark. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is also uh, talking with Tanya Enns, our church admin, I kept jokingly saying we should call the sermon, like this whole sermon series, A Whale of a Tale, and her and her wisdom is like, that's a ridiculous name. And so I just wanted to put it out there, A Whale of a Tale, question mark. But as we're going to see, that's actually not true at all, even that point. That's why there's a question mark. Look at verse 17 with me, though. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. If you just notice, all throughout the book of Jonah, if you haven't already, if you took a pen and started highlighting every time you saw the, the Lord or you point towards God, it's actually the whole story is about God. It's actually not about Jonah. It's about God. If you notice Verse 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah as he runs and tries to flee from God. 1, verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. So Jonah would be hurled into the sea. And then we see who brought the great fish. Well, the Lord, the Lord appointed a great fish. God's the one who brought it. God's the one who made it happen. Uh, It could also be in response to the prayer of the sailors. In 1, verse 14, Jonah's like, hey, throw throw me into the water. That'll stop the storm. And they're like, is there another way? And they prayed out to the Lord. 
In 1 verse 14, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. They had a fear of God. So even they're praying, crying out to God, like, spare his life as they throw him over. Maybe in, in part of response to their prayers, this great fish was appointed by the Lord and saved Jonah. Also because God had other plans for Jonah. So just thinking about this, this is what Jonah's known for. The whale. Was it a whale? Was it a great fish? I just want to pause here for a second. It's interesting. That's all it says in the original, in the Hebrew, it's a great fish. In the, in the Greek, sorry, the Greek translation of this text, it actually says it's a, like a great sea monster. And that's actually as Matthew or Luke uh, uses this term, as Jesus refers to it, it's a great sea monster. Interesting, in early Christian art, it's been, tick, been depicted either of this great sea monster, kind of like a, a dinosaur-like creature of the sea, but then obviously over time it's always been the whale because humans are always like, well, what fish is big enough to swallow someone and keep them in? So we kind of landed towards the whale. It seems like probably it was actually more of like a great sea monster, but it's hard to break that tradition that we've seen, even the slide that we have for our sermon series but that's okay because I love as Douglas Stewart parts, Douglas Stewart points this out. The story does not specify what kind of fish it was, how Jonah could have lived inside it, or the answers to any such queries. Yahweh, the Lord, can easily toss the wind around to make a storm when he wants to. He can miraculously rescue anyone he wants from drowning with a fish. That's no great feat for him either, if you think about that. It's, it also, it says here what? Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights for uh, a longer period of time. I don't think it's like 72 hours. That's not how they kept time then. But it, yeah, it was like three days at what time he entered into to the time he got out. It would have been on the third day. Uh, some other people also point out that I guess the kind of the length of time in the ancient world to uh, to go to Sheol, the, the kind of like the underworld, the place of the dead, or to return was like three days and three nights. And as we're reading the text, all Jonah, he's like, actually, he went to the place of the dead and was rescued. It would have taken three days and three nights. So I think it was an actual time. He actually was in the belly of this great fish for that time. But I think a secondary thing, he's also saying, and he's being brought back from the dead. It's being said there, three days and three nights. But again, do you, do you call this a whale of a tale? No, it's a, it's a record of what happened. It's not a tale. It's fact. It's not fiction. If, if you don't believe in miracles, you can't actually really believe the Bible. You open it up to the beginning. God is already there. He speaks the world into existence. You're like, I don't know. Keep reading. What the crossing of the Red Sea with Moses, parting water, hitting a rock, water coming from a rock. Do you believe in miracles? You need to in order to believe the Bible. We get to Jonah. I don't know. Can God really do that? Yes. He can do whatever he wants. If, 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 if you stumble over Jonah and the great fish, you get to the New Testament and you have Jesus who walked on water. Jesus who took five loaves and two fish and multiplied them, fed over 5,000 people. Jesus, who was crucified, dead, buried in the grave, and rose again. Don't stumble over Jonah in a fish. 
Our God does miraculous things. You say, wow, that's amazing how the Lord chose to save Jonah. What a miracle. Wow. So Jonah's swallowed up by this great fish. I want us to see in two or in one to two of chapter two, Jonah, he cries out to the Lord. He's already in this great fish now. He's kind of remembering what had happened. It says in, in chapter two, verse one, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the belly of the fish. Notice it says he prayed to the Lord, his God. All of a sudden, he, like, he changes his, his, his heart. He changes his attention. He finally prayed to the Lord because we see in in verse 5 when the storm comes, all the sailors are crying out to their various gods, lowercase g. And then even the captain in 1 verse 6 kind of wakes them up. Hey, hey, cry out to your God. We don't have any record of Jonah crying out to the Lord. We finally see the sailors cry out to the Lord. The pagans who didn't even know God. But finally now we see here recorded Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He finally relented. He finally turned back. In his lowest point, he cries out to God. Very similar language is used in, uh, in Psalm 18, verses 4 to 6. David wrote this. This is sometime before Jonah. David writes this, The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help from his temple. He heard my voice. My cry to him reached his ears. You're going to see very similar themes. I'm going to draw on a few other psalms that Jonah uses or knows of or has that language. Right In verse 2, he says, I called out in Jonah chapter 2, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. I want us to just see here for a moment, our lowest moments are a great place to trust our lives to God. Right? If you're like, man, this is rock bottom, call out to the Lord. Everything after, every step taken, you're trusting in God. That's a good place to be, good place to build from. Kind of an application, just as Jonah cried out to the Lord, we're called to pray and to keep praying. In the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually. Like, so just keep praying. Good times come, you're praying. Bad times come, keep praying. But we often, we get beaten down, we go through hard times. That's why we have Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus told a parable. He told a parable to his disciples so that they would always pray and never give up. And he tells this parable of this unrighteous judge, this widow who keeps harassing the unrighteous judge to get justice. God's not the unrighteous judge, but the parable is to say, like, just keep praying, just keep seeking the Lord. In your trials, call out to God. Right? Like, sometimes we're going through such hard times, and we're like, humanly speaking, we're like, I'm going to do everything I can to get out of this on my own. I'm going to strive. I'm going to, like, human wisdom. I'm going to make a way. Like, no, stop and cry out to the Lord. Seek Him in prayer. But then, friends, if we're in a trial because of sin or disobedience, then really the first step is to repent and then turn to the Lord. Like, God, forgive me. I know the life I'm living, I'm going in the opposite direction. Forgive me and to turn back to Him. And often after trials, we can actually see God's mercy 
in them to draw us back to himself. He works in miraculous ways. So Jonah, he's in the belly of the fish in 2 verses 1 to 2, and in 3 to 6, he's kind of recounting how when he was thrown into the water, how he's thinking into the depths, what, what was that like? And actually, verses 3 to 9, again, this is like a psalm. This is a song of Jonah that he wrote. Description of him being cast into the sea. Look at verse 3 with me. As he went down to Shoal. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. I don't know if you noticed there in verse 3, he says, For you cast me into the sea. He's referring to the Lord. And if you know the story, it's like, no, no, wait, the sailors cast him, hurled him into the sea. No, he's like, no, no, God's even in control of the sailors. And though they're the ones who physically did it, Jonah's like, I get it. This was the Lord's doing. That God is sovereign. The sailors were just an instrument of the Lord. And again, even this language in in verse 3, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. We see this same language in Psalm 42, verse 7. David again writing, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. So it wasn't David, it was one of the sons of Asaph who wrote that. But it's interesting, as he's writing this song, as he's recounting, he's speaking the Psalms. That's something we should do. We should hide the psalms in our heart. When we're going through good times, we can use them to praise God, use the word of God to pray to God. Or we're going through trials, we can use them to say this is actually what we're going through. So he continues to recount what happens in verse 4. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. As he's going down, I, I think he wrote this when he was on dry land recounting. I think as he was getting knocked over by the waves, he wasn't thinking like, I'm going to be spared as he tells the rest of the story. He's like, I'm a goner. I'm going down. Look at verse 5 with me, continuing. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Other translations say the earth gates shut behind me forever. It's a picture of death. Again, he's going down to Sheol. He's going down to the, the underworld. He's going down to the place of the dead. He's like, I'm not going to return. That's the picture that's being painted by Jonah's song here. Again, very similar language. Found by, by David in Psalm 69, 1-3. Let's read it for you. David says this, Psalm 69, verses 1 to 3. David says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. Verses 14 and 15 of this same psalm. David says this, Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me. Or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. The reason I just keep referring to the Psalms, I just want you to see there's this language that Jonah, prophet of the Lord, is using. That he, he's saying something very similar we've already found in the Psalms. And his prayers 
even his distress, he's just using the word of God to pray to God. Friends, we should be often in the Psalms. And especially those who are going through trials, there's language in the Psalms of people who are going through really hard times that we can use to pray back to God. I can give voice to our prayers like, I'm going through such a hard time, I don't know what to pray. Look at Psalm 42. Look at Psalm 63. And pray it back to God. Right? Don't we often, we want to hide God's word in our heart. Of course, the promises about who we are in Jesus Christ. We also want to hide the Psalms. Help us praise. Help us pray. Help us get through trials. I think we see that with Jonah. So he's going down to the depths. If we stop there, he's like, I'm done. I'm going to Sheol. My life is over. Where does fleeing from God take you? Right? Jonah wanted to flee from the presence of the Lord. Fleeing from God certainly does not take you to heaven. You're like, hey, God's like, hey, follow me in this direction. You're like, no, I'm going in the opposite direction. It will not turn you back around there. It'll be pain, it'll be trials, it'll be suffering. For Jonah, he was a goner. There was no hope. This was the lowest place. It didn't get any lower. When you're at the roots of the mountains in the sea, there wasn't a lower place to go to. But praise the Lord, this is not the end of the story. Continuing on in verse 6 to 9, I want us to see God's rescue here of Jonah. I kind of stopped in the middle of the verse because I think that's the lowest point it gets to. What does it say? At the roots of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, I love that, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. I don't know, if you've been with us as we went through Jonah, there's this, this language used that Jonah in verse 2 of chapter 1, he was to arise and go to Nineveh. And what does he do? He goes in the opposite direction. He went down to Joppa. He paid a ship and went down into it. And he went down into the hall. And he was thrown down into the sea. And he went down to the lowest point. The writer's like, don't miss this. He is not getting closer to God. He's going farther and farther and farther away. But what does it say there in verse 6? Yet you brought up my life from the pit. It's the first time, finally, it's a different direction. God's the one who has to intervene. He's the one who starts bringing him back up again. It is his mercy, his kindness. It was being swallowed by that great fish that Jonah was rescued, the one the Lord appointed to do so. It was God's doing that he starts to go back up again. Jonah on his own, he's just going down further and further. God intervenes, now he's starting to go back up again. Like Jonah didn't repent and make his way to Nineveh first, but actually had resigned himself to death. But God intervened. Right? That, that is grace. That is mercy. That's the kindness of God that we see here. Continuing on, verse 7, Jonah's testimony. He says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. He's crying out. The, the temple, the place where God dwelt with his people in the Old Testament. As he's like, as he's being splashed around or if he's already actually been rescued, his prayer is going toward, towards God in his temple. And then in the, in the midst of this kind of like recounting this praise, 
he has this exhortation. We're going to see here in verse 8 and verse 9. First, verse 8, he says this, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. I don't know if he's almost like a self-reflection, like, hey, look where I put my hope, look where it was leading me to. Or then also, he, Jonah's a prophet of the Lord, like anyone to read this word in the future, hey, know this, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Well, who's steadfast love? Well, the, the love of the Lord. The Lord's steadfast love. Those who, who pay attention to vain idols forsake the steadfast love of the Lord. Right? What are the, the first two commandments of the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other God before me. You shall not make a God of graven image, like of metal, of wood, anything. Anyone who kind of puts an idol in front of the living God is forsaking his steadfast love. It's this warning here from Jonah. Richard Patterson says this, those who have abandoned God to worship false gods have cut themselves off from the sphere of God's grace. Maybe we're like, yeah, okay, Old Testament. Yeah, don't like forsake idols. We get that. We see that in the Old Testament. Friends, just for our own hearts, I want to remind you, we see this language in the New Testament. If anyone's familiar with the book of 1 John, a small letter, it's packed full of goodness in the, Old, in the New Testament. It talks about loving the Lord, abiding in Christ, Read that if you're like, man, I don't know where I stand with God. Read 1 John. If you're in the Lord, you'll be like, yes, amen. If you're not, you're like, okay. I have business I need to do. But how does the letter of 1 John end? It ends with little children. Keep yourselves from idols. It's interesting that that letter, that's how it ends. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Idols are anything that takes God's place on the throne of our hearts. I don't know, have you experienced when something else is reigning instead of God? I, I think of a few years back, the beginning, like March 2020, when they're like, hey, just two weeks, flatten the curve. I know we all shuddered that I just said that. And what happened? We were all leaning on all types of stuff, not realizing it, but then it was ripped from us. I was re leaning on entertainment. I love watching my sports. March Madness, it was gone. For some people, it could have been success, it could have been money, it could have been control. Whatever it was, it was taken away. These idols of our heart, our own world kind of messed them up. So we would seek God. That was actually God's kindness to us. Friends, as life keeps going, as the pace keeps quickening, let's not return to the idols that God has exposed these past number of years. Let's cast them aside. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's take these words of Jonah to heart. Is vain hope to hope in idols. But he says, so there's exhortation, there's encouragement in verse 9. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah is saved. He's rescued. He makes vows to the Lord, much like the sailors did. In 116, he's so thankful he wasn't dead, he's alive, right? He's like, I'm going down, I'm, I'm done, I'm going to Sheol. All of a sudden he's like, wait, what? He's in the belly of a fish, he's going upward. He's been saved. I want you to notice this, how he finishes his testimony. What does he say? Does he say, hey, look, look at what I've done. 
Does he say, hey, God and I working together, we have accomplished great things. He says, God brought the fish, I chose to swim into it. No, he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah got swallowed by a great fish. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It was God's doing. Douglas Stewart writes, Jonah deserved death, not deliverance. Yahweh graciously delivered him by special intervention so that Jonah could not but recognize the greatness of Yahweh's compassion, praise him for it, and recognize his reliance on Yahweh alone. Isn't it God's hands? Salvation belongs to the Lord. I want you to see that in verse 10 as he finished his song. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Think about how did fleeing from God work out? He wants to go in the opposite direction. He ends up in the sea, ends up getting spit back out again. Doesn't tell us where on dry land he appeared. I just, in my mind, I think it would be actually similar to the place he left on a ship. Like, you, you got you nowhere. Like, freeing from the Lord. Time happens, destruction happens, trials happen, scars happen. You don't go further in the right direction, though. But God, in his kindness, brings him back to dry land. Again, we see here, all throughout Jonah, God's sovereignty, God's in control, right? Sending the, the great fish to swallow him. The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Just You see there, God can take you through a mess to get you where he wants you to. That's Jonah's testimony. That's Jonah's story. I want to think for a moment, what about you? What's your story? How has God rescued you? As a church, one of our distinctives, we want to be about courageous evangelism. Right? God has each one of us in different places and spaces that like, you know people I don't, I know people you don't, and we're to share the love of Jesus Christ with those people. How do we go about doing that? Well, part of that can be sharing our testimony, our story. I just want to give you kind of a framework for that using Jonah's story. Look at verse 6 again with me, 2 verse 6. So Jonah says, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. That's the testimony, that's the story. I would just think of those two or four letters. You're telling your story to someone, and your story is not like, hey, my parents met, there was a twinkle in their eye. Like, don't start like that far back. You don't have that long to tell the story. You're, what you're talking about is you're going to start in B.C., you're going to get to A.D. B.C., you're going to say, hey, before Christ, this is what life was like. If you can just remember those two terms, B.C., A.D., before Christ. For Jonah, I, I was in the pit. I was in the pit of Sheol. You're like, I don't know if I'd use that language. People don't get that. But the Bible uses language like I was, I was blind. I was dead in my sins. I was in rebellion. For me, if I'm, I'm just telling maybe a short part of my story, BC, I was like, man, before I was in Christ, I was in a lot of trouble. Drugs and alcohol were my main go-to. I was all about me, myself, and I. B.C., before Christ. That's where I was. But friends, you've got to have the B.C. part of your story. You have to see your need before you can call on the Lord. You need to see that you are down in the pit and can't get out. And in order to humble yourself and call out to, to God. 
The only uh, kind of variation I give to that is for some people who have grown up in the church from a very young age. You're like, I don't know. I don't really remember <laughs> that rebellion. Maybe I took my brother or sister's cereal. <laughs> but hey, praise the Lord. If you can't like, think far, that far back and you're like, well, BC is kind of fuzzy. I just always remember belonging to the Lord. But so we want to tell that part of our story. Where were you before Christ? Just short. In fact, that will be the testimony we're asking people who get baptized. Where were you before Christ? Just tell a little snippet. For those of us with maybe rougher backgrounds, you don't tell all the details. No, no, not. People don't need to know all the stuff that we've done. Just get a little glimpse. But we don't stay in BC. Just enough to say, man, that's where I was. But let me tell you about AD. AD, right? It stands for a Latin phrase, Anno Domini. I probably said that wrong. But it means, it's not after death, it means in the year of our Lord. Right? It's 2023 AD, depending on how you keep track of our years, because roughly 2023 years ago, Jesus Christ was born. And so for you, like, what is that marker that you're like, I came to Jesus Christ, the year of the Lord. What was that time that you're like, finally, I saw I was in the pit, I saw I was in sin, and then I'm like, I need Jesus above all else. I'm in a pit, I can't get out. I'm broken, I can't fix myself. I need God to intervene, and I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins, for the punishment I deserve. When, when was that for you? Maybe some even here listening today, you're like, I, I've never done that. Why not today? Why not today be the first day? of A.D., in the year of our Lord, to begin. Not everyone knows the day. Like for some of you, you're like, I don't know exactly when. And I would say for that, when you're telling your testimony, you're just like, hey, the sun's shining. I don't know when it rose, but it's shining. I don't know exactly when I believed in the Lord, but I believe in him right now today. I'm believing in him. For me, I can date to, to 2020 or 2002, late January, where I like, God broke me and brought me to myself, and I simply got on my knees by my bed and said, God, if you can forgive me, my life is yours. Do with it whatever you want. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, in that moment, I was forgiven. In that moment, I was made a child of God. Like Jonah, I was no longer descending into the pit. I now had the Spirit of God in me. I stood up, and I'm going to start walking with God. That's A.D., in the year of our Lord. And then kind of part of your testimony can also be like, what about after A.D.? What about after you believed in Jesus Christ? Just a snippet, like what happened to you? And I'll just for the, the sake of advertising baptism, for myself, I got baptized in June 29th, 2003. Just like a year and a half after I became a Christian. I remember I was talking to this pastor, and he's like, have you been baptized? I'm like, I don't even know you're supposed to get baptized. That was news to me. I'm like, okay, let's go get baptized. That's how simple the conversation should be. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to get baptized. All right, let's go do it. Let's walk in obedience. If you're saying like, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. You have my life every area. That's one act of obedience he's calling us to. But as you start to talk about A.D. after you believed in Jesus, like how is he shaping you? How is he dealing with you? We're, all, we're just works in progress. He's still at work. But I hope part of your story is like, you're telling others, I want to tell others about Jesus. That's the whole point of telling the story, 
And so others would have an opportunity to get to know how good our God is, how merciful he is through Jesus Christ. If we were just to put that in New Testament language, I just want to put this verse in front of you. Colossians 1, 13 to 14. It says this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Man, that's a good, that's a good scripture to memorize. If you're like, you're in Christ, like, man, I, want, I once was in the domain of darkness. Now through Jesus Christ, I'm in the kingdom of his Son. To forgiveness of sins. His mercy. And again, I just want to say, I think you've seen the story as we tell our story. It's actually not about us. It's about God's work in us and through us. I just want to, so a little bit of application. Uh, this afternoon, as you go for lunch in the days ahead, share your testimony with someone. Just this shortened version. And just all you need, the framework, is B, C, A, D, after A, D. What was your life like before Christ? Maybe share it with your kids. Maybe not all the details. When did you come to Christ, A, D, and what was it like after? So even at lunch, across the table, let's start to share our stories with others. And I pray that we'd be able to share, those, share it with those who do not know the Lord. So we see Jonah's testimony. We're talking about our testimony. But friends, it's all for naught. I want you to see Jesus Christ's testimony. If you were like, I wasn't listening at all, that's okay. Listen to this. <laughs> Listen to this. Christ's testimony. This is the reason we have a testimony. In Jonah 1.17, what does it say again? It says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The reason I'm reading that again, so we see this quoted, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 40. You can turn there with me if you like, or just listen. Matthew chapter 12, 38 to 40. Jesus is speaking with uh, the religious teachers, He's doing some teaching, and it says this, Matthew 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Like, yeah, yeah, you're teaching us all these words. Like, show us something. Then we'll believe. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What Jesus, even in quoting Jonah, he's, he's saying, yes, this is confirming what Jonah said was a true story. Right? Like Jesus isn't talking about some like, hey, you've heard it said once upon a time, a long time, far, far away. And what I'm about to do and say, yeah, that's not real either. No, he's saying, here's something that really happened. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What is the sign that Jesus said to these scribes that Pharisees would see? Jonah was spit out of the fish after... Three days and three nights, right? But Jesus rose again on the grave on the third day. I want you to see Jesus like, yes, I will be in the middle of the earth. 
in the ground three days and three nights. That's my sign to you. But friends, his testimony is he did not stay there. He rose again. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's accomplished by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, was, again, as I said, buried in the garden tomb in the grave. He lay there three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. At the, at the break of dawn, he rose again. He confirmed his teachings. He showed he was God in the flesh. His resurrected life confirmed his payment for our sins that was accepted. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Just as he rose from the grave, that is his testimony. Now for all who believe and trust in Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins, God's mercy. We've been freed from the grave. Death and sin no longer rule over us. God does. This is a true prophet. What Jesus said, he accomplished it. He did not stay, though, in the earth. He rose again. And Christ's resurrection is our resurrection. John eleven twenty five to 26, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. There's newness of life found in Jesus Christ. That's our testimony. Not because of anything we did, but because of everything he has done. His testimony is our testimony. Our story is like we get to be a part of what he has accomplished on the cross. He rose again, and because of that, our sins are forgiven. Because of that, we have eternal life. Because of that, we have hope in the life to come in heaven. That's our testimony. Love 1 Corinthians 15, 56 to 57. Paul writes this, The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jo Jonah's rescue from death is a reminder of a still greater victory of death to come. That victory was Jesus Christ and what he did. And so we get the, we get the grace to be able to look back and say, yes, it was accomplished. We also get the grace by his spirit to say, yes, and I'm walking in that newness of life today. Praise the Lord. Friends, I wanted you to see in this text Jonah 2, Jonah's testimony. Down in the pit of death, he rose up again. Salvation is from the Lord. I want us to see a pattern for our own testimony from B.C. to A.D. Tell someone your story. In this week, by God's grace, tell someone your story. But more than anything, I want you to see Christ's testimony in the grave three days and three nights, but he rose again. And in his newness of life, we find our life. Amen? Amen. You're not an amen people. Amen. <laughs> amen. If you'll bow with me as I close this word in prayer. <laughs> oh, Lord, I thank you for you. I thank you for your grace and your kindness, oh, Lord. I thank you that as we read of Jonah, we do not read of some fable, of some joke, but of a work that you did long ago. But as we read of what Jesus said to those Pharisees, how you fulfilled that, literally, being crucified, being laid in the grave, but then rising again. Lord, may we take that truth to heart more than anything else we even hear or see today. Lord, may the, your testimony just ring in our ears. May it distract our thoughts. 
how we think how amazing it is that you have died, you have risen again, you're reigning at the right hand of the Father. You're coming back again. Oh Lord, may that be an increasing reality in our lives that we say, yes, this is true. Yes, I'm following you. Oh Lord, seal this word in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.